Hello and welcome to episode 389 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. And today we are joined by the translucent one, the fearless leader of the spreadsheet versions. He's single-handedly keeping Microsoft Excel in business. It is the king of the small field, nosebleed stakes, DFS streets, our own director of analytics, Michael Leone. How's it going, buddy? It's going well. I'm getting pretty amped up to defend the spreadsheet virgins up against Mr. Manly Landscape, Evan Silva. Mm-hmm. Evan, how's it going this afternoon? Yeah, I'm, I'm always excited uh, for this one. Actually, uh, driving back from Cape Cod or dr- driving to and from Cape Cod, I drove right by uh, Leone next year. Hopefully we could hook up, maybe get some lunch or something. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a little, you know, there, there were some revelations uh, yesterday from you, Adam. Uh, especially that you're now doing psyops for uh, the the People's Republic of China uh, <laughs> on, on TikTok, but it does look like the government, the U.S. government, is going to do something right for once and get rid of TikTok, hopefully for good. Buddy, we got to go where the kids are. Okay, the kids are on the kids are on TikTok. All right, we're going on TikTok. Yes, you hopefully you all have seen our TikToks. It's so outrageous. But anyways. Um, I thought you were going to say when you said you drove through Buffalo, I thought what you were going to say is hopefully next year I can stop at Leone's house and mow his lawn for him. Uh, <laughs> no, not he's have paying people to do that. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On the next two shows, we're going to play a game of man versus machine. Silva, of course, will play the role of the man, the one who plucks his own weeds, the one who evaluates offensive line play with his bare eyes, the one who grinds the tape. Leone, on the other hand, will play the role of machine, a.k.a. one who spends his days solving solving's life's questions in Python, running regression models, one who pays another man to mow his lawn. Yes, I will preside over this debate. And of course, a lot of times, man and machine are going to agree. Actually, they mostly agree. And we'll go over some of the interesting agreements there as well. Before we get into it, have to remind everyone, the show is brought to you by our friends at Underdog. Fantasy, undoubtedly the smoothest, highest stakes, best user experience for anyone trying to play best ball. Use promo code ETR when you sign up for $100 matching deposit bonus. And of course, you can upload our rankings directly onto Underdog if you desire. Also, I mean, we're just absolutely grinding our cocks off to make our 2022 fantasy football rankings for all formats the best they can be. We have our entire team looking over every decimal point in the projections making and sealing cases, suspension risk, injury timelines. It really is an incredibly massive undertaking. Our rankings for all formats are in the draft kit. Check it out. All right, boys. Let's start with one of the biggest discrepancies that we found here. Mark Ingram, Evan has 99th overall. The machine, Leone, has Mark Ingram 212th overall. Let me just give a little background here before you go ahead, Evan. Alvin Kamara... You know, the details on Alvin Kamara's thing is not pretty. And there's a surveillance video out there. I haven't seen it. I don't think anyone's seen the surveillance video yet. But I feel like the tides could change on Kamara if that video gets out. The allegations don't seem great for Kamara. Pro Football Talk, Mike Fleur had a report out last week that he thinks, or based on what his reading of the CBA is, it's likely Kamara will get six games at a minimum. We don't know when that will be, though. Kamara's lawyers could push that off for a while. So with that as the backdrop, Evan, Mark Ingram, very high, 99th. Overall, go ahead of there. I guess I don't think it's very high. Um, for a guy that has a potential to be 
the Saints starting running back for the first six-plus games. I mean, a, a report came out from Pro Football uh, Talk recently that Alvin Kamara is bracing for a six-plus game suspension. The actual wording was at least six games. You look down the depth chart, you've got Dwayne Washington, Tony Jones, Divine Ozigbo, you know, borderline NFL players. You have a chance right around pick 100, uh, according to my rankings, to get a guy that could be a starter behind a solid offensive line in a, a solid offense that is getting back Jameis Winston to be an RB2 for the first six-plus weeks. Now, I know that Mark Ingram is not sexy at all. It's kind of gross that I have to rank him this high. Maybe I should drop him down a little bit, and le- but I know for sure that Leone needs to move him up. Yeah. Well, yeah. One thing I think that's hard, Leone, and when doing things from a more math-based perspective is we have no idea. Like, how do you incorporate the range of outcomes for Alvin Kamara? Alvin Kamara could play 17 games. He could play zero. Yeah. I mean, it's extremely difficult, and you're trying to – you know, somewhat mathematically account for the missed games, but then just qualitatively also account for, you know, if he misses four games at the front end of the season, you know, how much does it matter when we know we want to wait to play off games a little bit more. Um, but if it's a range, if he starts missing six plus games, your odds of making it to the playoffs are a lot less and the risk of, you know, the role when he comes back starts to to increase. So it's definitely a difficult spot with Kamara. We've recently dropped him to, I think in the forties in our ranks, which is behind ADP just until we get some more news. So I get why Evans high on Ingram because he's right. The depth chart behind Kamara is atrocious. There's nobody there, but I'm just always really nervous about feeding guys volume simply because the depth chart isn't that strong when they could bring somebody else in. I mean, we're talking a 33 year old running back who's coming off. You know, some of his worst years ever in yards per carry, worst year, one of his worst years in a long time in yards per target. He doesn't have Sean Payton there anymore, who really loved him and brought him back last season. So I think it's really risky that someone else could beat him out, even though the depth chart looks gross. And also, if he's the starter and he's decent for six games, that's great. But I have a hard time seeing him being productive in the latter half of the season when it becomes a little bit more important. Yeah. That, that's fine, and I don't. I wouldn't mind moving him down, moving him down into like the one twenties. Um, but I do think he's a solid zero RB target. Um, you know, because I do think he can just give you a you know points like twelve to fourteen mm-hmm. points a game early in the season as you try to work the waiver wire to find a stud. We know that Mark Ingram at, at this age is a poor bet to last and be effective. But I do think early in the season. I mean, that's when his legs are going to be the freshest and. He can give you a level of production. I'm fine moving him down. I'm going to move him down. But you need to move him up, though, Mike. Uh, Mark Ingram will turn 33 in December. And, like, even if I knew Kamara was for sure out for six weeks, like like Leone said, I'm not convinced that Mark Ingram is going to be effective in this offense at age, in his almost age 33 season, coming off a year with 3.5 yards per carry. They lost Teron Armstead. You know, there, there's other holes to plug, uh, to poke in Ingram beyond just uh, the volume concerns. And I agree that, like, at the running back position, I mean, you could sign anyone off the street. I mean, you know, and, and they could come in and take carries from Mark Ingram. So, yeah. Glad we got to the bottom of that one. Okay. Let's go to the 49ers. TDP, a.k.a. Tyrion Davis Price, the third-round rookie out of LSU. Evan, we've talked we talked about him with Josh Norris on the last episode. Hopefully, you guys caught that. So, we know most of your take here, Evan, but you have 98th overall. Why don't we let Leone 
start off this time. 180th overall on TDP, Tyrion Davis Price. Leone, that struck me as low as well. Go ahead on why the machine has TDP 180. Yeah, I think it's a pure upside bet, but I don't see the floor case here at all. I'm interested to hear Silva's case for the floor, but I'm just worried that a large percentage of the time, this is an absolute zero for Tyrion Davis Price. You know, I'm not convinced he'll be ahead of Jeff Wilson, particularly in passing down situations as the RB2. It seemed like Shani absolutely fell in love with Elijah Mitchell, um, really from day one last year, but down the stretch, you know, they just rode him like a true workhorse. And I think, it, you know, it's going to be an offense where Trey Lance can take a bunch of carries. If Elijah Mitchell has somewhat of a workhorse role, I think you're really dependent on injury for Davis Price to give you value. And there are certain drafts. I just wrote an article, you know, looking at the landscape of your home league. Uh, you know, it's a little bit early, but you always want to keep that in mind. And in certain situations where I just want to stash upside on my bench, I'll draft Tyrion Davis Price, you know, ahead of where we have him drafted, ahead of some guys that have a bit more floor where I don't care. But in underdog and best ball leagues, you definitely do care about that weekly floor to a certain extent. Evan, go ahead on TDP. I know you made a big case on with Josh, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with Leone uh, in terms of the complete lack of a floor for Tyrion Davis Price, but you know, there are only every year there are only really a handful of guys that swing season-long fantasy leagues, and I'm looking for upside with virtually every pick that I make not for floor cases, especially when I start to get into like eight rounds, eight, nine, ten. And this dude right now is going like in the 14th round. So where I have him right around pick 100, you know, I'm way above ADP on that, but I that's because I believe that he has a ton of upside. I think the 49ers have a chance to lead the NFL in rushing attempts this year. Yes, Trey Lance will play a big role in that. I really like Elijah Mitchell. Clearly, last year, Kyle Shanahan really liked Elijah Mitchell. But Elijah Mitchell coming out of college profiled best as like a Raheem Mostert. 12, 14 touches per game as an explosive, you know, almost a change of pace back. Um, You know, a committee back who can hit big plays. We didn't see him hit hit as many big plays last year because he had to be like a, 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 a volume workhorse grinder. And I don't think that's the best role for him. And I think the reason that they that they drafted Tyrion Davis Price is because he's 225 pounds and he can be a workhorse back. Everybody's going to throw it back to Trey Sermon last year. Trey Sermon, they just they they blew the pick. I mean, the guys he runs like a fullback, you know. And Tyrion Davis Price, I think that they see as a one for one upgrade on Trey Sermon, who I'm not even sure is going to make the team. So yeah. I think that there is that chance that Tyrion Davis Price. And we talked about this in the Slack. I would say around 40% chance that he leads the 49ers in carries this year. And the 49ers could lead the 40 could lead the NFL in rushing attempts. You know, Leone is falling victim to the hive mind on Twitter. Dude, I'll give I'll give you plus 150 on the spot. About I'll give you your 40% implied their, their, probability on that. It's because he wasn't rated highly in like draft Twitter circles. And Leone gets all caught up in that yeah. <laughs> as opposed to looking at the actual situation. Well, likes him. He's, you know, he's our prospect. Guy. I do think you brought up Trey Sermon and I don't think there's like, a, I think he's probably dead, but this is one of the things when you're doing projections, you know, thinking a range of outcomes, right. like we, we have like a five to 10% chance he's not completely dead. And that's, 
you know, that factors into things. Like that's a big deal when you're you I, just, know, I don't guys. I don't I don't see I don't see a scenario where the 49ers don't think he's dead and then they they go and draft Tyrion Davis Price. Right. Like they drafted yeah, Tyrion. They, 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 they know thought, that Trey you know, Sermon. Trey is dead. Sermon was the guy when they traded up and got him last year. Like they could maybe okay, Trey Sermon comes last camp. year. He's, let me. I'm just saying things change. Like they could be wrong. They were wrong on Trey Sermon last year. They could be wrong on Tyrion Davis Price this year, and then maybe. I, I think you have to bake in some probability that he's not completely dead. Once he is completely dead, the math nerds will bump him up a little bit further. Let me let me say this. I think part of the disconnect here is managed versus best ball. In managed, where after three weeks, let's say I take Tyrion Davis Price in the twelfth round. After three weeks, it doesn't work out. I'll just cut him. It's no big deal. I'll cut him and I'll start. I'll start turning the waiver wire. That's not an option in best ball, right? And so to me, like these very low floor, high ceiling picks. And I agree with, I, I actually tend to agree with Evan that they use a third round pick on this dude and uh, they think Trey Sermon is total dust. I think he is in love with Eli, but they're going to use multiple backs. I, I like taking shots on TDP in the 11th or 12th round, but not as much in best ball. And I think it's important well, people there, understand There's that. no question. And this even goes back to Mark Ingram that there's a disconnect uh, between what Leonie, the, the, the approaches that we're taking because I'm full season-long redraft right now. Yeah. And I know that Leone's out here doing, you know, 100 underdog drafts a day in best ball. I'm out here mowing the lawn and pulling the weeds, all right? <laughs> so there, there's absolutely a disconnect there, but I do like the hat, though, McNutt uh, landscaping. It, look, it looks good on you. I need one of those. Yeah. I had to psych you out for this show. Come in. <laughs> look at these sweat stains. I've been putting in work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but also I would highly recommend checking out Leone's article on the differences between uh, best ball and managed because yeah, it, it is really important and, and people just don't understand the subtleties and I, I think that's important to note. But Leone, for the for the purpose of this discussion here today, you are talking about your redraft ranks. Okay. Not I'll, I'll have them a little bit further for pure redraft, which I kind of touched on in you know the article I just put up right. on site, okay. but it's not. I yeah. mean, you, you can't. Like, I'm, I'm straight. I don't think too about, high. Top, top 100 is too high. Yeah. Like, especially in, from like, let's say pick 75 on, I sort of don't think about floor cases at all when I'm doing my top 150. Like, these are guys that I, I you know, people, we were taking with Trey Sermon in like the seventh, eighth round. You just dropped him after a few weeks and you moved on. Yeah. Like, that. that's how I think about the players from, let's say, pick 75 on. And that's where I have Tyrion Davis Price. Just, I, I don't think about the floor case. All right. Let's go to the Packers pass catching situation. It's hard, man. You know, it's thin. I don't like a lot of the guys that they have there. One guy I certainly don't like that they have there is Sammy Watkins. I'm not sure Sammy Watkins is a lock to make the team. I mean, maybe he will, and he probably will. But I, I don't know, man. Evan, 148. Machine, 225 on Sammy Watkins. I'll let Evan go first this time. Go ahead on Sammy Watkins, Evan. Yeah, and I'm not even sure that this – um having him in the top 150 where I have him right now at 148 with the last few guys in the one 150, I'm just putting in guys that like, you know, I can build an upside case for. Um, and again, not thinking about floor at all. I don't even think this uh, aligns with my, my tier rankings, but I just, at the, at the, the, the last few picks of the one 150, I'll put like, you know, a backup running back that I like, or, you know, a, a veteran wide receiver playing with a back-to-back -back MVP quarterback. And that's what this is. I don't know that Sammy Watkins is going to make the team. But in this pick range, I don't care if he doesn't make the team. I can drop him and go get somebody else, you know, and, and take a flyer somewhere else. Sammy Watkins is 
you know, the number one veteran receiver, or at least, you know, the most productive receiver from a career standpoint, he's only 28 years old, uh, in the Green Bay Packers receiver core right now, other than like Randall Cobb, who we know is very limited. So if, and with Aaron Rodgers, we know it's all about trust and, and building that on-field chemistry. And if he builds that with Sammy Watkins, then I think we can get, you know, a decent number of usable weeks out of him. And so that's where I, where I stand. I kind of just jammed him in to the end of the top 150 just to have him there. Yeah. My concern on Sam Watkins is they needed him in Kansas City. They've needed him in big spots before he in good situations and he's just been incapable you or mean when unwilling. he came through in the Super Bowl? The Super Bowl, yes. He did have a good game in the Super Bowl. Go ahead, Leone. You're way lower than Evan on, on Sammy Watkins. I am. Yeah, but why do you hate I've the been... Super Bowl? Why do you hate the Super Bowl, Adam? <laughs> I've I've been badgered by the rest of the projections team on Sammy Watkins to an extent. Amico has given it to me, Jack and Adam and um, you know, we got a whole team working on this and we try and, you know, d- do this together to come at the best answers possible. And right now, I think that the hard variable is like, what are the true odds he gets cut? Because sometimes there's a report he might get cut. And I felt like people are running with that as if there's like an 80 percent chance yeah. he gets cut. I don't know what the true odds are. I do think there's actually a little bit of a ceiling case, so might move him up some. Um, but he's someone that, you know, his ranking is going to swing you know, pretty big in one direction or the other. Once we start getting a little bit more firmer reports on just like, is he going to make the team or not? Cause if he makes the team, I think there's a target case you can make for him that you probably can't make for Alan Lazard. Maybe I'm off there, but I just don't see, you know, Lazard ever being a certain amount of target share. Whereas Sammy Watkins, I don't know, this is sort of his last chance. It'll be like his age 29 season for the most of the year. Um, I don't think he's total dust, but we'll find out. Um, so I just think he's he's always been more name than game, you know, like always. People like clicking him. That is that true. That, yeah. I mean, that's true. But, you know, we can look to James Jones, late career revivals with Aaron Rodgers. Great quarterbacks do great things. Speaking of Jones, let's go to an old friend of the show, Ronald Jones. I couldn't believe this one when I saw it. I mean, Evan's been so outspoken about not liking Ronald Jones' game, and now he shows up with Ronald Jones, 87th overall, the machine – Leone has Ronald Jones at 160th overall. So I'll go to you first, Evan. Have you changed your mind on Ronald Jones? I mean, I've always been right about Ronald Jones. So why would I stop being right now about <laughs> Ronald Jones? But no, I mean, a lot of the, um, you know, the explanation for being down on Ronald Jones just never made sense that he would hit with Tom Brady in particular because dude can't pass protect. Dude can't, you know, can't play in the passing game really at all. Um, and Tom Brady just wouldn't trust a guy like that. You know, he has ball, ball, ball security issues. I think they will be a little bit more lenient with that in Kansas city and it's throwing a dart. Although I, I I'm being like, it's sort of an aggressive dart at this point. What do I eight eighty seven overall? Is mm-hmm, that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a little aggressive, but I mean, we've seen Clyde Edwards Hilaire just has failed time and time again. You know, they're still kind of messing around with guys like Jarek McKinnon, who, you know, as he's never been able to stay healthy for a sustained period. He's given us really nice stretches, but he's never been able to stay healthy for a sustained period. Ronald Jones has been able to stay healthy, is in a high scoring offense, and we know that he can run the ball. I mean, he's absolutely an NFL caliber runner, and I think he's the best runner on the Kansas City Chiefs. And I, I really like their offensive line, too, by the way. You remember we were critical of their offensive line 
in the first half of last season as we should have been. It really coalesced, came together down the stretch. Now they're bringing it back full continuity. I mean, they're going to be able to run the ball this year, and they don't have Tyreek Hill. I think they might run the ball a little bit more this year than they have in years past. Yeah. Leonia, I've been taking Clyde Edwards Elaire pretty aggressively, and I haven't been taking Rojo just for the pass game stuff, but the McKinnon stuff spooked me a little bit. What do you think about Ronald Jones ranking? Yeah, I mean, sometimes there might be a little bit of a hole in how the projections work where we undervalue some of these guys that just don't have a pass catching ceiling. Part of the reason why we're a little bit behind on Tyrion Davis Price, but also on Ronald Jones, where he's not going to have a pass catching role no matter what. So it's like, what are the odds he becomes the primary two down back and how much is that worth in this offense? And uh, I just think at top 100 overall, you know, you're missing out on guys like Ramondre Stevenson, Devin Singletary that have a little bit better floor ceiling combination than Ronald Jones does. And I'd almost rather take a dart on Jarek McKinnon later in the draft because he does have that pass catching upside. So uh, he's just going too early for my taste. He is an awesome pure rusher, but you know, they also got Isaiah Pacheco, a rookie there that's got some big playmaking ability. And if I'm taking a guy like Ronald Jones, I guess I just want to be really, really sure that if he takes over the job, like it's going to hit. And I just don't have that confidence level that it's going to hit. Like it could be someone else, even if CH gets hurt. Um, he's not going to catch passes no matter what happens. So it's not the type of bet I want to make in the top 100. Uh, I'll say this. We've seen the Chiefs go out of their way to like play guys ahead of CEH. Like it, it, if it goes to training camp and Ronald Jones beats out CEH straight up, that wouldn't be like the most shocking outcome ever for me. And that's as a guy who likes CEH, but I mean, that would not be shocking at all if Ronald Jones just straight up beats him out in camp, you know? So I, mean, I think like Ronald Jones running for, you know, 1100 yards and seven, eight touchdowns is very much within the range of potential outcomes. And again, after pick 75 or so, I'm not thinking about the floor case. I'm thinking about what is the upside here? You know, again, only a few guys every year truly tilt fantasy leagues in the season-long redraft. And, I mean, there's an outside chance that Ronald Jones could do that. And, therefore, I'm, I want to be at above ADP on Ronald the, Jones this year. The problem is you can't have, like – or or you can't mathematically have both CH and Ronald right. Jones as, like, yeah. top 70 picks or top 80 picks, right? Because that's not how it's Mathematically, yeah. The, the math doesn't work, but I'm not, right. you know, I'm not beholden to the math. You know, exactly. that's right. You know, I'm not a spreadsheet <laughs> socialist. All right. We know that. Let's go to, <laughs> let's go to Leone's hometown. Uh, the meatheads who smash the Natty Ices against their forehead and jump into tables are very excited about James Cook. I am very excited about James Cook. And just simply the case that I have for James Cook is this is going to be probably the number one or number two team in pass rate over expectation. And James Cook to me is the no doubt pass down back. And so to me, that just has a ton of value period right there. Leone, the machine has James Cook down at 110 overall. Evan, very high on James Cook, 61st overall. So Leone, go ahead on your new rookie in Buffalo. Yeah, I'm struggling with the Buffalo backfield. I kind of like both guys at ADP. I just don't want to be as ahead of ADP as Evan is on a guy. You know, when you're talking the 60s, that's still a pretty premium pick. There's a lot of really high upside wide receivers going there. And this is a back where I, I don't know what the ceiling case looks like. Is he going to get enough volume, enough of a workload to hit? And I feel like he's going to be one of those things where it's obvious in retrospect where 
you know, he catches four to five balls a game and then has eight carries and is super efficient. We're like, oh, you know, this was definitely going to happen this offense, but it could also be like he catches three balls a game gets five carries and there's just no way for him to hit any sort of ceiling with that type of volume. So I don't know what's going to happen here. I do think collectively this backfield's underpriced. I thought going into the year that Devin Singletary would be way overvalued based on the way he ended last year, but that doesn't seem the case. If you can get you know, both these guys in the double digit rounds, I think they're okay, but I don't have a really strong lean on one over the other. Cook's way more exciting, but Singletary does have the history of, okay, we will lean on this guy and give him the massive workload. And sometimes that's all it takes. Like we saw down the stretch last year. I just want to make the point that Buffalo was adamant, like aggressively trying to get a pass catching back. They had the McKissick deal done. I mean, they had the deal done and McKissick backs out on them. Then they spend the round two pick on James Cook. I mean, they they clearly wanted to get Devin Singletary off this role. But the thing for me is, so they're adamant of getting a pass catching back. We don't know how that translates to fantasy, though, necessarily. And and sometimes we see this all the time with like beat writers who are like, oh, the team loves this guy. And it's like, yeah, they love him to catch three balls a game, yeah. which you know, doesn't do anything for us. It's a great point. It's a great point. And I think I'm probably going to end up capitulating on this one and moving Cook way more towards where Leone has him. At the same time, I, I'm I agree, I'm in agreement with both of you guys that it's not an easy backfield to sort out from a fantasy standpoint. I mean, God, you you you. I mean, you there, you can envision a scenario where James Cook ends up <clears throat> leading the team in carries and catching like sixty balls. I mean, I, and and in one of the best offenses in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but and, uh, let me stop you. Yeah. How how likely do you think it is that he can lead the team? Do you think James Cook profiles as a base back? Because a lot of people think he's yeah, only. Yeah, I mean, a he's pa- above two hundred pounds. He can do that. He's. I mean, he's bigger than Devin Singletary is. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. Um, I, I think it's within he, his range of potential outcome. Yeah. But De- Devin Singletary has been a pretty good runner. He's been the, like literally the worst receiving back in the NFL. I think PFF had him rated in receiving skills among RBs like ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Out of 100 last year, and and PFF College had James Cook as like the number one uh, receiving back in the entire in all, in all of Division One. And and this might be one where we meet in the middle a little bit. Cook's ADP on underdog right now is 108, so you know it doesn't take much of a bump up from where we have from you know where we have the machine has him to have him as ahead of ADP on underdog without spending you know a premium pick on him where the opportunity cost is a lot higher. And in, you know, home leagues, he's probably going to go way later. The rookies always go a little bit later in the home leagues relative to, you know, these best ball formats. Another problem for these guys, though, is that Josh Allen is such a stud around the goal line. And, I mean, you know, again, what do we really – what really swings stuff in, in fantasy football is touchdowns. And, you know, is and, and I know that they're very volatile and they're difficult to predict. And, you know, how many touchdowns a guy scored last year is – entirely you know non-predictive of what's going to happen in the in the coming year but you know what is really James touch James Cook's touchdown ceiling in a backfield with where Devin Singletary is Devin Singletary is going to be involved and Josh Allen is heavily involved in scoring position let's go to uh Justin Fields um I think the machine Leone is pretty low on Bears stuff Generally, I just did a podcast and these guys that I did the podcast with were flabbergasted at our Cole Komet projection. And and I was just like, listen, guys, like you can project volume to Cole Komet because they don't have anyone else. But this is going to be really inefficient, we think. And so 
Fields to me is a guy who like you're relying so much on upgrade and scheme and rushing ability, but that is the kind of quarterback that I want to be on rushing. So machine 177 on Justin Fields, Evan 122 on Justin Fields. I'll give Leone the floor first here. Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned the pace that Chicago is going to run at, you know, how much they're going to throw. It's you know, there's some uncertainties here with the new coaching staff. Um, we're also maybe layering in too much the statistics that he had last year in terms of efficiency when the deck was kind of stacked against him as far as you know his path to success. And I do want to be in on field, so I'm curious what Evan says because the rushing upside is really appealing, but I just think he's a clear step below the top 10 quarterbacks or so. And 122 for me, like that, that's too tight of a gap between the high end quarterbacks that I'm really trying to hit mm-hmm. on this year. You know, you can get, I think Trey Lance, there's a clear separation between like Trey Lance and Justin Fields, for example, oh, and for sure. you can get Lance, you know, thir- you know, I think he's more than two rounds better than Justin Fields. So I just think the gap should be wider there. Um, positionally, I think I have fields ranked somewhat similar to Evan, but that's to put him at where Evan has him. I think just shows a lot of faith and optimism in the bears offense and ignores some of the risks and also maybe just overrates the mid tier quarterbacks in general relative to the elite quarterbacks, which are starting to separate from mid tier quarterbacks more meaningfully and more predictably the last couple of seasons. And I don't see that changing this year. That Evan, go be, ahead. So I, I only have, I think 14 quarterbacks in my top one fifty. And he's at quarterback 11. Um, I just – I wanted to not have that many quarterbacks in the top 150, to, to be perfectly frank. Um, and he's toward the end of the quarterbacks that are in the top 150. I think that, you know, I obviously – I you know, I I hate the complexion of the of the Packers or the, uh, the Bears offense right now from a uh, supporting cast standpoint. And they're the, – the system – is a complete unknown. I mean, Luke Getze, their OC, was like really third or fourth in the pecking order in terms of, um, you know, control over the offense. I mean, you had Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, Nathaniel Hackett in Green Bay. Luke Getze is coming. He was like number four in line. You know, so we really don't know. We can't say anything confidently about who Luke Getze is. They're about to trot out a – it looks like they're going to start a fifth-round pick from Southern Utah – at left tackle and the guy that they were planning to start at uh, right guard Dakota Dozier has already been placed on season ending injured reserve. We know they have like nothing. We have, you know, Valuse Jones or whatever at uh, projected to be their number two uh, receiver. I mean, it's, it's really bad. The, the supporting cast stuff is really bad, but it also, you know, that could, that could lead to more playmaking uh, chances for Justin Fields in some scenarios we know that he is a dynamic dual threat quarterback who can throw the ball vertically. And I mean, he could create big plays in the passing game and with his legs. And um, I'm, I'm also pretty high on uh, Darnell Mooney relative, relative to the field. So I don't know, again, you know, when I'm, when I'm looking at these guys, you know, late in the top 150, I'm looking almost purely at upside and not reliability in floor. And so that's sort of my approach to Justin Fields. I wouldn't mind moving him down a little bit, you know, uh, but I think he's still going to end up in, in my top 150. And you have met, what, 177? So 
it wouldn't be cra- that crazy if I have him like in the 140s and then you have him in the 160s or 170s. Well, one thing I'd say to Leone about using last year's data on fields, I mean, they gave this kid the Andy Dalton offense. I mean, they gave him no chance. He was, they, they asked him to run the Andy, Andy Dalton offense. They had no RPOs. There was no, no schemed running. There was no scheme to get him in space. There, it was like completely like inept what they did to this kid. And so it's tough to use last year's data on him, I think. But yeah, the, the, yeah, it still doesn't look great this year for his supporting cast. We're giving him a little bit of a manual bump to account for that. And it's mostly like the passing efficiency. So it's not like we're looking at the raw fantasy points scored. Like that's not the baseline that we're taking from last year. Um, but even still looking at the passing efficiency, I do agree. It's, it's just tough to know what to use because that's the only NFL sample we have on him right now. Sure. All right. Miles Sanders. I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday. Miles Sanders oh. it, uh, does not like the fantasy football community. And, and, these guys that are high picks and then struggle, like they get a lot of crap, which please guys do not give the players directly crap. Like that's pretty pathetic. It was our job to get the right call on Miles Sanders. It's not his job to like take like criticism. It was on us that we had a bad ranking or a bad projection on Miles Sanders. Don't go tweeting on Miles Sanders, but he's obviously seen a ton of this because he's tilting his face off. As soon as fantasy football was mentioned in this interview, you could see his face just like drop. I mean, this dude was pissed. And, uh, you know, he said something to the effect of, you know, I he wanted what he wanted to say was, I can't score you guys fantasy points if I don't get the ball. And like, don't draft me is basically what he said, insinuating that it's not going to change. Gainwell and Boston Scott. And if they bring back Jordan Howard, they're going to be involved again. So that, that was like a little bit scary to me. I just think the talent gap between Miles Sanders and these other guys is so, so, so wide. But I don't know, Evan, it sounds like Gainwell and Boston Scott are still going to be involved. So there's a big gap here. Machine 71, Evan 40 on Miles Sanders. Very, very, very high. On Miles Sanders. Go ahead. We yeah. talked about this on the first top one video that you released, Evan. This was one of the biggest discrepancies. Yeah. First market also. But go ahead on Miles Sanders. Well, I think that they're going to be one of the best rushing teams in, in the league. They have an incredible offensive line. They're going to remain committed to the run. Gainwell, I like him. I mean, I think I'm above ADP on Gainwell too. Um, and he's one of my favorite guys to take uh, late, you know, favorite late round RBs. Jordan Howard is gone. Miles Sanders is talented. I would say that he's been sort of an underachiever to this point, but he's got a ton of touch, positive touchdown regression coming. He scored zero TDs last year. He's a guy that the field is way down on, and I think we can capitalize on that. I want to be above ADP, but not so much that you know it's it, it becomes irrational. So I'm going to go and look at this right after this show. I'm going to look at all these guys that we're talking about right after this show, and I'll probably move them down a little bit. Uh, but I, I do want to be above ADP on Miles Sanders, and please do not tweet players about – their performances. I mean, no one at ETR does that. I mean, we're we're adults here, right? But I know that there are a lot of idiots yeah. out there doing that shit. <laughs> just t- tweet at Silva for his outrageous yeah, ranking of <laughs> my terrible ranking, please. Like, this I, is I egregious. Take- you can't take a guy in the beginning of the fourth round who might be a, a two-down back who might not see the high-value touches in the passing game or at the goal line. I love Miles Sanders. I'm a Miles Sanders fan, but. This is pricing in pure upside and not enough risk. I think uh, that's fair. That's fair. No. There's just too many. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move I, him I, down. I like right? I'm going to capitulate again. <laughs> this, this is you can't just apologize. Let, let me and attack capitulate. you. Okay? I'm trying <laughs> to attack you, Silva. <laughs> uh, let's go to Brandon Cooks. This is one that we've talked about a ton in Slack. Evan, 38th overall on Brandon Cooks' machine. 63rd. My big thing is people underrate Davis Mills. And like I, Nico Collins is like in these deeper formats. Like if you're playing 18, 20, 24 rounds, like 
Nico Collins I like. But anyways, Brandon Cooks, 38th overall is very high, Evan. But I also think that Brandon Cooks, Leone is underrating Brandon Cooks's ability here. We've discussed it. I know we bumped up Brandon Cooks a ton. If it was up to Leone, we'd have Brandon Cooks even lower than 63rd overall. So go ahead on your Brandon Cooks hate. Uh, Leone. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll admit sometimes the the reputation that I have of liking old, boring players and liking players that just project for a lot of volume sometimes gets to me. So I may have overcompensated with Brandon Cooks and been a little bit lighter initially on him. But the problem is since we moved him up, the market and Evan have gotten even more aggressive on him. I think he's at a point where I just don't know if he has the ceiling to match the other guys. And I am one of those people that maybe does underrate Davis Mills. Like I'm really concerned about this offense. Uh, it, it admittedly was better than I expected last year, which was not a high bar, but I'm still worried that this could just be a train wreck for Houston. And, you know, over the entire course of a season receiver, like his talent of his peak years, you know, we're really counting on a high volume from a questionable quarterback. That, that that gives me definite concerns. Yeah, I'd much rather have him in round six. Like he's the type of guy in round six, stable dude in round six. Like if, if I'm having him in round four, I think I'm swinging for the fences a little bit more. Some guys that have more ceiling, like you know a Jerry Judy type or Marquise Brown or something like that. Yep, Evan, go ahead on Brandon Cooks. I I, I definitely don't think that Jerry Judy has more upside than. Uh... Oh, way more upside. No, it's not. It's oh, my not God, it's not even close. close. Yeah. But, um, you know, you were wrong about Brandon Cooks last year. I was right, and it looks like you're going to be wrong again. I'll be right <laughs> again. Look at his target competition in Houston. I don't even know if we are underrating Davis Mills. I just think that Davis Mills has shown it he can be a competent quarterback. Maybe his ceiling is like Jared Goff range. Uh, but he's, he's, he's good enough to deliver the ball – to the number one receiver, and that's Brandon Cooks by a long shot. Okay, Nico Collins, I kind of like him as a, you know a last ditch best ball pick, but that's what he is. John Mechie is coming off a severe late season knee injury, and he's five foot eleven, one eighty seven, possession receiver. Okay, Brandon Cooks has gone for over a thousand yards in six of his last seven seasons. He's been highly productive on a consistent basis. And he's not old. He's 28 years old. Um, and, and he's not boring. I mean, maybe you should watch some Brandon Cook's tape. You know what I mean? All right, because he's I mean, not boring. Like his first half of the season, he definitely was targeted at a higher rate than the second half. And maybe I'm just leaning on that. I mean, the second half wasn't bad, but first half he came out. I remember we bet against him in the props, and we just got freaking killed a couple weeks because he yeah. turned out you know 48% target share, 39% target, 33% target share, 30% target share. So like out of the gate, he was insane. He was much more tame, more like a mid-low, like a low to mid-20s guy the second half of the season. And that's my expectation moving forward. Let's go to Michael Pittman. Yeah, this one is is tough, man. Evan has Michael Pittman 27. Machine has 44. I, I, I like Michael Pittman. I think there's concerns about Matt Ryan. I think there's concerns about pass rate for this offense. And I think there's some concerns that like Michael Pittman is not a truly elite talent to be ranked 27th overall, but man, the opportunity is certainly there. I mean, we're going to have Alec Pierce competing against uh, Paris Campbell to be the wide receiver too. And they don't really have like any much explosive stuff beyond that. So Evan 27 is very high. Michael Pittman, go ahead on that. Then I'll let you know. I mean, this is, this is, he's going to be a guy that I'm bullish on this year. Like I'm, you know, pushing the chips in on Michael Pittman. Took a big step last year. (laughs) 
you're out here tweeting about Paris Campbell. I mean, that's you know, that, that's 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 kind of pathetic. Okay, you know, I mean, that that's his target competition. We don't know what's going to happen at tight end. I mean, I guess it's going to be Mo Alley Cox. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm not worried about Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan is a definite upgrade uh, from what they've had uh, the last couple of years, and so he plays indoors. He's the clear cut alpha. And his trajectory, I mean, he took a really big step last year. I think he can take another big step. He can win at all three levels. He's good after the catch. He can win contested. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I think you're you're way too low on him, Leone. See, all the guys like Evan, they have to make these tape arguments about how good Michael Pittman is because the math just doesn't work. You know, we don't hate Michael Pittman, but – at a you know 24 25% target share which is really high for a base target share for a wide receiver he just doesn't get spit out that high you know it's, it's okay quarterback play it's on a team that's going to be run heavy we're projecting them to pass more than they did last year but they're still going to be one of the more run heavy teams in the league like full stop that is not changing just because you go from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan so it, it's just really difficult to make the math work unless he's insanely good which maybe you know Evans arguing we're not baking that possibility in enough. But for me, I think it's a classic case of player I like, but he's just being drafted too early. That's why sometimes you need to just grab the spreadsheet and just fucking tear it <laughs> and just make the pick, you know, just just take the guy who can win contested catches, all right? Yeah, that's the PSM model. We have the PSM model for that, <laughs> I mean, exactly. Um, okay, that's going to do it for guys that uh, Evan is higher on than the machine. Now, here are a few guys that, both the machine and Evan on are higher on than market. JK Dobbins is the first one. And this is one that I think is super interesting because so much is related to reports. And a lot of these reports are coming from Twitter doctors. And with all due respect to Twitter doctors, none of them have actually examined JK Dobbins. What we do know for a fact about JK Dobbins is he did not participate in practice at OTAs and Jim Harbaugh, uh, uh, John Harbaugh started to show some concern about that, I guess, on him and Gus Edwards both not participating in practice when they allegedly should have. But man, you know, timelines on J.K. Dobbins, normal timelines should be good. And this is going to be an outrageously run-heavy offense, I think, with getting Lamar back in there and all that. So I I I agree with both of you guys that, like, this is a good time to buy a dip on J.K. Dobbins while there's fear around his injury. Leone, go ahead on how you're thinking about J.K. Dobbins and health. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely difficult to know exactly how to quantify the injury risk because on one hand, it happened so early that we'd expect him to be ready. On the other hand, it was a more severe injury than like your average ACL tear. But ultimately, we're getting such a discount because of the uncertainty there that I want to buy into it. You know, his underdog ADP right now is 56 um, overall, which... You know, we're getting into the fifth round, at the, the, the middle of the fifth round, like the tail end of the fifth round. And if you haven't invested in running back early in your draft, like this isn't your typical dead zone running back. This is someone people are scared of because of the injury, but he's someone that has a lot of talent and is on an offense that's going to be good and efficient and is pretty insulated as far as you know a floor standpoint. So um, I'm taking the gamble here on J.K. Dobbins. I'd much rather take the gamble – on someone like Dobbins, who we know has the talent and the support around him, and we just hope the health is there versus someone that just doesn't have the talent or is on an offense where the bottom could completely drop out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's fun to play up the the disagreements between Leone and I, and you know that it's it's fun. 
Um, you know, and that's what makes for the and that, that's what get the cl- gets the clicks. But we agree on J.K. Diamonds. I think I have RB twenty two somewhere in that range, and uh, I, I feel fine about that. And I, I'm but I'm very willing to adjust if when we get to training camp, you know, we get more negative news. For now, I I, I think RB twenty two is like the perfect place to have them. Okay, two more that you both are, or one more that you're both higher on and one more that you're lower on. I'll throw the Gabe Davis, Leone, and then I want Evan to talk about Najee Harris. On Gabe Davis, Leone, where both Evan and the machine are higher on Gabe Davis than market. The argument from, uh, I guess, Gabe Davis detractors is that he was never able to separate from people like Emmanuel Sanders and uh, Cole Beasley until very, very late last year. I don't, I think that's kind of a weak argument he's an ascending player obviously they believe in him now i think he's going to be out there every single snap but yeah what do you say to the detractors on gabe davis yeah i think there's two sides of this one on the floor side i think it's much higher than people realize because the offense is so good and they throw at such a high rate and it's not like gabe davis can be buried on the bench you know maybe he doesn't play as big of a role that we think but in games that either you know cole beasley or manny sanders missed last year the opportunities were there he was on the field he was fine. And then from a ceiling perspective, Adam, they had all these wide receivers healthy when they got to the very end of the season. And I remember we hit big on Gabe Davis in the Kansas City game because we had saw in that wild card game mm-hmm. that mattered. He played every single snap. Uh, he led the wide receivers in snaps while the first team was out there. And somehow that got missed a little bit. But they clearly thought he was their best talent last year. He's got another full offseason ahead of him. I mean, I don't, I think the odds he outscores Stefan Diggs like aren't even that crazy. And if that happens, you know, Gabe Davis is putting together an absolutely stunning league winning season. We're higher than ADP on him, ADP starting to rise. And I could honestly see us being too low on him as high as we are because I really am that bullish. I completely Davis. agree. Completely agree. I mean, I, I think he's a stud. I've always liked him. It, it makes sense that, you know, they kind of, they kind of eased him in. You know, they brought in like a savvy veteran in, in Emmanuel Sanders, and they had Cole Beasley, who really was a solid slot receiver. Both of those guys now gone. Um, the only really sig- somewhat significant Bills receiver addition they did bring back Isaiah McKenzie uh, was uh, Jamison Crowder, mm-hmm. who I, I do like as a late-round pick, but clearly does not have like, you know, the big-time like scoring ability that Gabriel Davis – has yeah, they didn't replace us. Manny. You know, Crowder is yeah. one for one for Beasley, and they didn't replace Manny right. on the outside. Right. Um, and then they uh, they did uh, draft a kid, uh, an interesting kid, uh, Shakir, I think, uh, in the fifth round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he'll be a dude to watch like in preseason. But Gabriel Day, I think Josh Norris described it perfectly. He said the, the runway has been cleared for Gabriel Davis. The Bills are showing their commitment in him. I mean, they, you know, they, I, I thought that there was a chance they might take a receiver on maybe even at the end of the first round, certainly on day two, they did not. And the runway has been cleared for, for Gabriel Davis. I, I, I haven't, I think, I think wide receiver 22, if his ADP starts to move up, I, I would not be afraid to, to move him up because I, I do, I want to get Gabriel Davis this year in my drafts. Yeah. I think in, in more casual formats, Gabe Davis will go a little bit later. I think the peak virgin yeah. stuff that's going mm-hmm. on right now and people drafting now are having no sex and they're high on, oh, on Gabe Davis. It'll, it'll come down. No sex um, at all, and it's been a beautiful summer. <laughs> last last guy to get to here. Both of you are lower than market on Najee Harris. Evan, I'll let you start here. We've talked plenty about offensive line, yeah. um, 
and overall offensive scheme. I think with Ben gone, there's some more past this offense, like yeah. actually being really good. So go ahead on Najee. Well, I don't think there's many paths to the offense being really good, right? But uh, I, I think their quarterback situation will probably be better this mm-hmm. year, even if they play some quarterback carousel with uh, Trubisky and Pickett. The offensive line is terrible. I mean, we talked about this in our recent recent show. PFF put out their offensive line rankings. Brandon Thorne will have his offensive line rankings in our draft kit uh, at some point in the relatively near future. But in the PFF offensive line rankings, the Steelers were 30th. Um, I expect him to have a bottom five offensive line. That can be an overrated element of uh, for a running back's fantasy projection. And, I, I mean, I would say that it actually definitely is, but it's not helping. And he's not a big play runner. He's going to be a low-efficiency runner. Last year he had 307 carries, only four went for longer than 20 yards. He's going to have to catch a lot of passes. I don't think he's going to catch many passes this year as he did last year because that was so conducive to the way that Ben just wanted to get – he didn't want to get hit. You know, he wanted to get the ball out. He knew he was on his last legs. He retires. They're going to run the ball more this year. That's not actually a positive for Najee Harris. He's not going to hit long runs. I don't think they're going to score a lot of points. So, I mean, I look, he's going to get a million touches. He absolutely could lean the NFL in touches and – he is a first round, you know, first second round fantasy pick, no question. But he's a guy that I would draft. I would. I'm leaning, you know, when I'm breaking ties, like I'm drafting the other guy, you know, Dalvin Cook, you know, that that type of player. I'd much rather have Dalvin Cook this year than Najee Harris. You're muted again. You're muted. Yeah, Tech Lord. Jesus. Uh, anything to add on uh, Najee there, Leone? Just, you know, there's two types of skill for a player, and Najee Harris definitely has skill in terms of the ability to handle a full workload and to be trusted in all situations. And I think that's a legitimate talent that not all backs have. But I do kind of worry about the big play upside from him. And if you don't have that, especially on an offense that we're a little bit bearish on, you're really – you have some systemic risk because you're just dependent on so many touches and you're dependent on the offense continuing to support those touches. So he's fine. He's He projects fine. It just, you know, like Evan said, I kind of go in tiebreakers the other way because I don't know if that's the type of bet you want to make that early in the draft. All right. Perfect. Uh, you're muted, Evan. We have a, a mute fest going on. And that's kind of the way to think about first and second round picks because it's really so tight up top that you're just like, you know, how am I going to break this tie? And I'm going to usually lean away from Najee Harris when I'm on the clock in those rounds. All right. That's going to do it for part one of Man vs. Machine. Part two will feature players that the machine is higher on than man. Stay tuned for that coming up soon. For Evan, for Leone, for producer Luke, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.